What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast, a postseason edition. We will bring you guys our Arch Madness preview. As you guys know, we last said that hopefully we would have the conference awards to discuss today. That's what we're going to lead off with. But as we know, the teams are in attendance at the uh, dinner that they have usually where the awards are given out. That started at 6.30. We are here past 7 o'clock to do this. Maybe it will be posted whenever we keep this episode going. You never know. That's what we were hoping for. But we will discuss every matchup or just our picks in general and obviously our matchups and what the Salukis have to do to cut down the nets on Sunday. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch and Noah. It's like we said, it's the best time of year. It's our favorite time of year. We're a day away from going there. Work is done, ready to head there tomorrow morning for the noon games tomorrow. It's unfortunate that we don't have the awards to talk about, but we will talk about all of this, like I said, and the things that we have to do, what we think the dogs have to do to be able to do the deed on Sunday. What's going on? Yeah, definitely excited for this weekend. Um, like we've always said, no matter – what our result is, it's going to be a heck of a weekend. It's always a fun weekend of basketball. Um, good, good, easy trip up to St. Louis for for us. So excited for it. Um, new format this year. Excited to watch um, four games on Thursday instead of just two night games against the bottom four teams in the conference. So it's going to be a good one. Hopefully it lives up to its hype because a lot of people are excited for this new 12-team uh, setup. Yeah, and we talked about what the seating chart is, and we'll be interested to see how that looks officially tomorrow. And it's kind of been, you know, obviously in years past, Thursdays have been pretty weak, but we know with added teams, and one of those teams are bringing one of the biggest fan bases that we know Thursday is going to be a lot bigger and better uh, tomorrow and obviously this weekend. Yeah, it is a hyped one. It's the first one with 12 teams. It's extra exciting. We've been hearing about it forever from everybody, and you know, I was watching something earlier with Rocco Miller on, and he was just saying, you know, the Big East at Madison Square Garden. And then you got the Arch Madness here. They're the two best and oldest uh, conference tournaments. And I think he just did, said the best, and we can't argue with him. So definitely an exciting time. And before we jump into it, just thinking about what we can expect from an enterprise center standpoint. We were talking earlier about uh, just, I think, some of the things in general. We talk about how in years past, they had a a lot of the uh, decorations for Arch Madness history around the concourse. I can't even recall if they had that. Like they used to hang things around and they've done so many renovations, the enterprise center, the concourse is great. They're adding like all new restaurants, like semi restaurants and like obviously extra things and more things to drink, a lot more entertainment center. I know there's a stage at one point that might not go out, go all out like they would, you know, a typical blues game per se, but it's just exciting knowing that it's going to be the best it has been every year. We expect that. I think, you know, Mike Kern has said before on March of the Arts and some things, and he was asked about if we can expect new things. And I don't remember what he said. I want to say he did say there'd be some things, but probably not. And that's unfortunate, but it, it's always, you know, great. Like I said, decorations, everything they put on there. They have that inflatable trophy they put around and they have a lot of stuff looking forward to seeing what they have to offer, offer there. No, before we get into We'll try to make this one, unless we get those awards at some point here, we'll dive into everything. I wanted to say it's Xavier Johnson's birthday today. Happy birthday to him. It's a fun weekend for him, for them and himself that they're down there with the luncheon right now and get to have a full day tomorrow before and obviously all day Friday. So happy birthday to X. 
we know he's celebrating with his teammates over there right now. And then saw something today. This is stuff to get out of the way before we discuss it all. The Long Island Nets, as we know, KV on Pippen, he was, it's good to see him and a couple of teammates spent the afternoon volunteering for local families in need at the Huntington, New York, helping hands rescue mission. They had a video he spoke on there. Great to see he's killing it on the court and off the court. There was a Marcus interview earlier. I might dive into at the end, but Noah, let's refresh people's memories again about what the, uh, what the, uh, bracket looks like we had our first impressions and I guess outside of any other stat that you know of going into this I think I have a couple here we can feed off of it but I mean I guess we can before we get to our match and when we talk about the Salukis most talk about the matchups again and I guess we'll just go ahead and dive into who we think is going to win and then we'll we'll start out with obviously Thursday games leading up all the way to our main event and that's when we'll talk about it and then we'll predict after that the semifinals and the championship. Yeah, we definitely, definitely some really good matchups here. Um, excited. Just before we start that, I was going to mention um, that uh, Kennard Davis, he started his district tournament tonight. Um, they won their opening matchup like we figured they would against Confluence, 75-45. So big 30-point wow. win to start the semifinals in district play. So he's headed to the district championship already off a 30-point win. Nice, and definitely expect him to um, – I mean, 30 points this time of year is – that shows him, and they've talked about he's kind of a, the smaller school version of his his class around that area, and it just shows how the dominance they can put up. And um, like I said, you see some of those upsets around. We don't see a whole lot of those kind of – a lot of those blowouts around here, but around there with his talent and stuff, they're going to keep it going. Noah, dive into anything else you got, and then these matchups. Yeah, uh, just for the first time, and we've talked about it a little bit, for the first time in NBC history, the conference has five teams win 20-plus game prior to the league tournament. Um, the previous record was three, matched 11 times. Um, so this is going to be a really good tournament, hopefully. Um, excited for it. We know uh, tournament titles by team active-wise, um, the most all-time is Creighton with 12, but active – um, we're tied with you and I with the most by five. Uh, Bradley can tie us this weekend with another one at five. So uh, Illinois State has four. Bradley has four. Tulsa, Wichita. Indiana State has three. Loyola, three. Drake only has one. And Missouri State only has one. So some pretty good matchups starting at noon on Thursday. Um, we got an eight-seeded UNI versus nine-seeded Illinois State. Winner of that gets Bradley at 2.30. Number five seed, Indiana Stakes takes on 12 seed, Evansville. Winner of that gets Belmont. 6 p.m. game, um, seven seed in Murray State takes on 10 seeded Valpo. And at eight, then the winner of that gets Drake. Then 8.30 game, the one will be most eyes on. Six seed, Missouri State versus 11 seed, UIC, obviously, gets the three seeded Arsaluki. So really, really good fun day planned for tomorrow, I think. Um, we're going to get up there leave here probably here around eight have some brunch somewhere up there then um, head for that first game not not sure about that first game obviously a young you and i team with a banged up bowen born see how he kind of looks maybe during pre-game but it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a really opening um matchup Illinois state's got a lot of talent we saw that with our own eyes when we went up there to normal and watched them beat the salukis 
Yeah, and diving in more to that, yeah, I think you and I is young. J- Jacobson's been there, done that throughout this tournament so many times. And we talk about what Illinois State did. Again, it's all about, obviously, it's for, for our sake, it's what is the hardest road for everybody else. And clearly, Illinois State almost beat Bradley at Carver. And then I don't recall the other matchup that happened. I want to say they blew him out. Uh, but, I mean, I, I was going to look up here what the, what the matchups were for both. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of you and I, has got a little bit more star power, obviously, to match up with Bradley. But we talked about Illinois State's ability inside. And we've talked about, and we'll talk about again, maybe in this tournament, it's going to be important post-presence, you know, for teams. And Illinois State was able to match up. Kendall Lewis and Seneca Knight and uh, whoever else gets in the paint for them, all, all their other big stretch the floor and are around the three-point line. Um McChesney included, and we know Kotop doesn't like to shoot. We let him do, and that's how they beat us. And the one time we overplayed him a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of prediction-wise, this is tough. I've been kind of going back and forth in my mind of who makes it the most tough for Bradley. And due to you and I's struggles and even Illinois State's struggles, I think the rivalry intact would be nice. Illinois State or you and I's the home team. And this one, they're going to bring – these are actually two teams with decent fan bases. We talked about the uh, the seating chart and where they're where they're sat, but I think it's going to be interesting. And noon, who knows? I think you and I's crowd for sure will show up at noon, no matter where they all took off for this. I think I'll take them if they get behind their home crowd. Like I said, they kind of have a little bit more star power. And this is Ryan Peaton's first tournament, so no, I think I'm going to roll with you and I. We'll get to the their next matchup with Bradley, who we think. I think that's easy, safe to say, but no, and. Your your full prediction on that, and then dive into who you think if you try to pick apart Indiana State. Well, oh, I say that. Of course, I look at it, and it's it shouldn't be close in that one. But dive into your picks for those two. Yeah, definitely think that the first game's a a coin flip, um, but I'm gonna roll with Illinois State. I think uh, you and I struggles and just a, not a healthy Bowen Bourne um, that it, his quad could act up at any point tomorrow. Um, I'm going to roll with Illinois State because hard place to shoot. And I just think if you and I guys struggle in that gym, Illinois State has the recipe of Kendall Lewis, Seneca Knight, um, to go inside and Burford to hit mid-range, just go inside and score. So I'm going to roll with Illinois State. I think you and I is favored by three and a half. So um, that's interesting. Then, yeah, obviously I'm going to – I think it'll be closer than expected because it's tournament time, but I think Indiana State gets past Evansville to take on the set up that four or five matchup on Friday. I think uh, Indiana State is favored by 17 right now. Yeah, and that's interesting because Evansville, they've been kind of beat up, and Indiana State's rolling off two losses at the end of the regular season that they've kind of that screwed them out of not having to play on Thursday. And, uh, but they're they're the deepest team in the whole league, and people are picking them to be dark horses in this thing. I do think seventeen is a lie, whether they cover that or not. I can see them doing it. Hopefully, it's not. We talked about how, no matter how these games play out, you know, whoever wins, obviously, if we think it very well could be chalk or very well could whatever. I think as long as they're close games, that's all we want. You mentioned how um, getting to see, getting there at noon, getting to watch all the games. It's it's just fun to sit back and relax. And that's with us having the 8.30 game on Friday. But just being able to watch seven games beforehand is fun. So we're hoping that all of them are close. But I will take Indiana State to win. Might take Evansville plus 17. Uh, We'll see how that goes. Like I said, they're just much deeper than the Aces. And then interesting one that they finished on Sunday in the regular season matches between one another. And they 
they're uh, they know each other pretty well to this point with two overtime games leading up to a Valpo and Murray they Murray's a two and a half point favorites as the home team I've been kind of torn on this one I guess that's a, as well and that's a good thing like I said want these to be close and Valpo played Drake extra extra difficult this year in the in the games we've talked about two overtimes and then the one at third play at uh, at Valpo that or at Drake that they almost won as well I think the thing is with Murray, we talk about. We listen to Jeff Bidwell of the of the Murray State Basketball Podcast. He does a great job, and he talks about the eight, the Magic Eight Ball Racers, and it makes sense. You see how bad they are on the road. You see how I think he said they're two and one in uh, neutral courts, which for what that's worth. And obviously, going into this, no, we talked about their fan base and how big it can be in comparison to Valpo's. And not saying I, I that's how what I said with you and I mostly in the argument for that I had for them was their was their fan base, and Murray can have that fan base get behind them. They have talent. If they can score, I think they can. I'm actually going to take Murray to win that game, even though we're thinking of Valpo could be an easier test for Drake. But if who, I, who I think could win, I think Murray, whoever's hardest for Drake, Valpo. So I guess that can play out however which way we want it to be that way. Murray got killed by Drake both times. But I think the Murray's talent, I think, might get the dub in this one behind their fans. Like I said, it couldn't go wrong with either. Who do you think? Yeah, I think uh... – Knowing the highs and lows Murray State's had up and down season, um, I think what you need is no two. You need at least two guys that you know is going to show up, and I think that's what Valpo has. Ben Cricky and Kobe King um, going to show up for that team, and I like Valpo in that game. Um, just think Ben Cricky is just going to be too much for those bigs for Murray State, and Kobe King just. I mean, he scored double digits all year long because he's, you know, he's going to get to the free throw line. So expect that to happen as well. And then the game that will decide who we play at 830 on Friday night is UIC and Missouri State. The Bears are eight point favorites. We'll dive. Well, I guess we can kind of talk about both now. Obviously, we just saw UIC. We know they're talented. They had matchups. Missouri State killed them in Chicago and then barely beat them in Springfield. These teams match up well, both athletic, both with good guard play, both with star players. And you you want to say with the healthy Donovan Clay, the whole Missouri State team, Donovan Clay guarding Jace Carter can make it tough. Uh, so UIC might find opportunities or find uh, uh, lesser opportunities to score in this one. We like to think we we'd like to like see UIC, even though we played them a lot, you know, pound for pound. They played us closer than Missouri State did for what that's worth. That seems kind of crazy. But we know they give us fits, but obviously we'd rather see UIC. But, no, I think the Bears cover the eight and win this game. Barely, though. I think they keep within 10. So whether that's under the eight, I would pick, or just, like I said, within 10. I think Missouri State gets this done. And we talk about what could benefit these Thursday teams is just playing in the gym an extra day. And we know the whole – Think about how tired they can get, and that's clearly why people want to avoid it because no team has ever won Arch Madness as the Thursday team. So history, historically, it is not on their side. Uh, but no, Missouri State's one of those teams, another one of dark horses like Indiana State, that if they get hot, it's it's game over. And I think they could take advantage of a lot of that with UIC. Two former uh, coaching coaches off the coaching tree of Dana or of uh, Dan Muller. So they know each other well. So it should be an interesting game. Like I said, no, one of those matchups was close. And expecting hopefully this one can be, like I said, within 10 points. Who do you got? I got the Bears. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bears as well. I just think they're just playing very well lately and uh, maybe getting hot at the right time. Hate to say that for our sake, but 
they've looked good down the stretch, closed the season really strong with getting it going on the road on senior day and beating a really good Indiana State team. So I'm going to take the Bears in that one. I think it's going to be really close. I think UIC can hopefully also for our sake take them maybe to overtime or something, wear them down, but I will take the Bears as well. And then so the next day, if those uh, predictions hold in general after a fun Thursday, right back again at noon on Friday, that's when Bradley, the number one seed, gets to host or be the home team with their fan base against one of ours. So I guess it's obviously I would have them facing you and I. It's a battle of the large fan bases. And, no, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to say Bradley's just too much of a role to even matter. Who they would play, obviously, leading up to it. You hope it can be close. Um, I can't recall off the top of my head without looking, obviously. You and I, we were actually, we were in O'Fallon watching Kennard the last time those Northern Iowa and Bradley played, and Bradley got the best of them. And I think that was the ultimate downfall of Northern Iowa the rest of the season. Um, so obviously Bradley would have an advantage on either team. But Noah, like I said, I'll take them over Northern Iowa, hopefully in a close game. But your matchup with Illinois State, the I-74, you would think Illinois State, like we've said, with the matchup even could – Give them a little bit of a scare, but I think we can both say that Bradley moves on. Give me your explanation on maybe why and then your next game, which arguably might be the best of the whole tournament. Barring Sunday, Belmont and Indiana State should be a good one. Yeah, I will take Bradley. I think Illinois State, um, I think they have the guys that could push Bradley to the limits, but they're just playing way too good bas- way too good of basketball right now. So, um, yeah, then the next game, the four or five matchup, Belmont, Indiana State. Um, this is going to be a tough one. We know Indiana State's probably one of the deep, deepest teams in the conference. Um, Josh doesn't like playing a lot of guys, but I think he'll he'll get to because um, I think they'll win decently comfortably on Thursday against Evansville. Um, so – I just think I just think Belmont. I think Ben Shepard, Kay Tyson, Fryerberg, um, they'll get it rolling because um, I just think Indiana State's going to run out of gas, um, not shoot very well. Just I think Ben Shepard and Gang can just take care because I want to see Bradley Belmont on Saturday at two thirty. It's a great matchup. We talked about how these teams, Belmont, barely beat them by one off that foul in the 80s when they played. I'm not expecting a game in the 80s, maybe in the 60s and 70s for sure if they go back and forth. Should be a great offensive game. Like I said, could be the, the one of the tournament for offensive purposes. Both teams pretty good on defense as well. So they're about evenly matched. Even though people have said that they're obviously their offensive schemes are a lot different. Indiana State plays a lot more faster than Belmont, even though in that way they're kind of equal. I forgot what somebody said of why they're different. I guess if you just watch, you could tell. But you're right. This Indiana State's got star power. We're about to see some of their guys get awards or be on a lot of teams. Belmont in the same case. We both picked Kay Tyson to win freshman of the year. It's probably going to hold. Drew Feiberg has a case for newcomer team that we forgot to just mention others with our picks at the end of last episode. And even we talked about how good uh, – uh, the big boy on their team is playing. So, and then you got Ben Shepard. So I do think their star power is over Indiana States, and their defense is enough, and their scoring's enough, and their shooting's enough. They have three of the top four three point shooters in the league. Belmont does, and that's what we've been worried about their uh, offense this entire time. So that I think they'll prevail in that two thirty game as well. And then 
In my case, Murray State and Drake. I want to say Murray can play better with them. I I think they could they could score a little bit, but they're just too undisciplined, and that's where you think even Valpo, who I guess they're undisciplined in their games when they're not able to finish. Uh, no, I I'd say for both of us, clearly it does not matter as well. Drake will move on in this game, but we're hoping for a good game because, like I said, the matchup you predict. Maybe Valco can give Drake an utter scare. Paul Orn was on March to the Arch in Jeff Bidwell's spot thinking Valpo could give Drake a scare. And Noah, that's that's all we can hope and think that could be the case. Yeah, I definitely think they have the matchup to do it. Uh I mean Darnell Brody's a really good player, but he's not stopping Ben Cricky. Then Kobe King has a it's probably either it's either DeVries, the not as good defender or Sturts, the smaller guy, and I think they could use that matchups if they can get a, a healthy Quentin Green and those and Maximus Nelson and get a game in and get some good looks on on Thursday. They could easily have another OT game um, against Drake. So I think I think it'll be within five six points, but I think Drake gets it done at the end. Yeah, and that reminds me thinking of some of the, like the injury things off the Monday conference call. I remember Darren, because he was asked about uh, his guys getting hurt at the end of the year, and he joked he was going to put his guys in bubble wrap until the tournament started. And because I was going to add these on the last one, forgotten. Yakwich said that UIC will be fully healthy going in. He said the last time they were fully healthy was around when they played us the first time. And then after that, they hadn't been. Uh, we know what the COVID and, and stuff with that. And then, yeah, you're right. Quentin Green, I think Yakwich said he's going to give it a or a, Excuse me, Lodic said he was going to give it a go, but he wasn't exactly sure on that. They will need him just to match the – even though Murray's got little depth as well, but Valpo and all these teams will need as much as they can get. So that's what we have leading up to that point. And, Noah, now let's talk about our matchup with either or. Like I said, we, we don't want to just assume it's Missouri State. We just think they're clearly the better team and that they're going to win. So I guess we'll just talk about – we'll just talk about Missouri State. And if UIC proves us wrong – then we'll love it. So hopefully we will talk about this like they're proving us wrong and they'll jinx us and they'll or jinx it and they'll end up playing us. But Noah back, obviously, when we played Missouri State at third place, we won by four. We led from beginning to end. It was a solid game from everyone our starting lineup outside of outside of Clarence, who didn't score, but we had all of our guys score 10 or more. And we got the best of them in that game. And we know we played them uh last month at our place when they didn't have Brian Trimble and Donovan Clay, we won by 20. They gave us scares at at those points, though. When we mentioned how they can get hot and they're a defensive monsters, they're going to maybe have two guys on the all-defensive team, according to us. They're probably going to have just Donovan on there. But they pose a lot of threats. And in your opinion, we'll dive into more, obviously, of things we have to do in our – maybe we'll get those on the final thoughts or obviously in this matchup as well. No, the matchups – and by the way, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We can't escape not playing Missouri State and or Drake in the term of the last however many years. We played Bradley on Thursday two years ago. We played Northern Iowa, Barry's last year. Other than that, it's been Drake and Missouri State. Even the year we got to Saturday last – his second to last year, we beat Missouri State. I mean, we can't really get past either of those teams, and we'd have to probably go through both, obviously, uh, which is ironic. We talked about that earlier. Uh but what do you think, obviously, what has to happen for us to, like I said, you know how Missouri State plays. What has to happen for us to go right in that matchup with their matchups, pound for pound, player by player, what we have to do to, to get the job to maybe ugly it up and just hold them from scoring a lot because that's what they want to do and they want to shoot the ball. 
Yeah, good thing for us that um, they like the player at a slower pace and they're going to want to really slow it down um, after probably grinding a, a really good game out against UIC. So um, maybe we see what we saw against them, some zone, and that's what we – I know they didn't have Donovan Clay, but that's what Troy D'Amico and Marcus DeMasters got in the middle of the zone and they destroyed them. So – and I think if they go zone, that's an easier play for the Trent Browns getting open looks, Foster to be able to play the high look to the high look to all our bigs from Choi or Marcus. So I think that you'll probably see a little, maybe a little zone from them um, because they want to save their legs. Um, maybe they do that on Thursday to save their legs and pick us up, man. But I think if they if they have to grind out a tough one, I think. We can take advantage of it, assuming we're assuming Brian Trimble's still away from the team, so they're not as deep as they could be, but they're pretty healthy otherwise. So it's going to be a tough matchup either way, but I would take us to move on there. I did tell you earlier today when we were discussing maybe what our picks would be that I was on the fence of either we lose on Friday or get to the championship. I'm not sure. If we could do that, I wasn't, and you're all almost on the opposite side, but I do think we can get past um, Missouri State. So do I, and it's all about Missouri State maybe shooting themselves in the foot a lot of it because not only I think a, like a rebounds went our way a little bit, Mogbo and like like I think they're a solid, solid team, and they have the makings of beating anybody, and that's why it kind of scares me because if our defense who has been who, and which has been sketchy at times can have breakdowns and they can make threes, they can get in the paint and they can just bully us on the, on the offensive boards. One thing Dana has said that they do not do a good chance preventing or do a good job preventing offensive rebounds themselves. So we know we're not a great offensive rebounding team. We have, we can do it. We've been able to match like UIC in that regard last game and at times this season, but we've been, that's been one of the, obviously the, the uh, key cons of this season, as we talked about, is rebounding, and that's what Missouri State's going to want to do. So you got to box out. Biggest thing in this game also is just Donovan on Marcus. We know Marcus has turned it on a little bit more here. He did struggle in the last game. He acknowledged he struggled. But obviously, like we said, it's good to see him just trying more and giving up all those shots. And he had O'Connor and Jace Carter on. Donovan Clay is maybe pound for pound. Malavai with his size, we're going to see him win Defensive Player of the Year. But it seems like Donovan Clay – which Dana also says, and it's true, he can guard one through five and do it at an extremely high level. So that's the worry he's going to use. You know, Marcus has been getting stripped a lot. Clay's going to use that. Honestly, that's probably the scariest matchup I can I can see Marcus having in the last couple of years since Donovan's been on Val. Uh, even when he was on Valpo, he gave him he gave Marcus fits, and then now he's at Missouri State and he's been more entrenched of like a forward to the utmost. Like I said, guard one through five. That that kind of scares me a little bit. That matchup. So it means other guys have to step up. Not even just Lance. We know Lance is riding off the player of the week to ride into this tournament. We know I guess we could touch on some more of these things here about having to ride or die with Marcus and Lance. And not only because this could be their very last game if we lose, and depending upon I would I would say if we lost on Friday, they wouldn't be too excited about everything. And but it could view them in the run it back category, uh, no matter what. But I would I would definitely say that. Clearly, it has to be Marcus and Lance. If if both of them don't show up, we stand no chance. I don't think I th- I expect both of them to. It's going to come a lot more difficult for Marcus, as we know. 
Lance is going to have Austin Mason on him. He's going to have Kendall Moore. He's going to have Damian Mayo, who actually was guarding Marcus here or there. Uh, that was only when Clay was out. But no other really good against, obviously, against guards. And Lance is going to have to do what he did. If he can beat Trey Anderson and Jalen Jackson off the dribble, you'd think he could probably beat Austin Mason and Kendall Moore off the dribble. But again, Noah, we're going to have to ride or die with our two best players at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. They got to both come out and perform pretty well. And uh, you're just going to have to have those extra other guys chip in. Um, like we've seen throughout the year, we've had uh, games where it's our bigs, where the three bigs are adding a total of probably 15-ish points. Or Jawan Newton, he scores 10. Trent Brown scores 11. Foster comes in, scores 6. Troy getting the dirty work. X putting in some. But it, it all comes down to those two guys, and it's going to – Hopefully they both show up and finish this finish this strong because I don't want to go into the off season where it's a thinking well it's a run it back mentality but I I just don't at this point see him coming back no matter how this season finishes. And I think with those two that they'll know and they already maybe have their mind made up maybe they don't they just know they don't want to go out a certain way and they definitely don't want to do it on Friday knowing that. You know, they've never gotten a Saturday in their career. We talked about that's unfortunate that that's been the case, but we talked about when they were freshmen, we almost beat that Bradley team that won it in that first year, uh, you know, and, you know, only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. But then the second year, both of them didn't get to play in our final game of the season. They both got hurt, Marcus, throughout the year, Lance against Bradley. Uh, and then obviously last year had chances against Drake, didn't as the six. And now we're getting, we're being able, the guys outside of that Bradley game, are actually finally able to, uh, which actually I, I, I don't actually don't think we were ever white under Brian in the tournament because I want to say when we are the nine seed, uh, the second year and Bradley had to have been the eight. So, uh, so actually we've never won white. I, that was one of the things on here. Our first time wearing the home uniforms in Arch Madness under Brian, which is nice. Like we said, we've always been. What was it? Yeah, we we were the six, nine, six, and then now the three. So. Might have been the five that first year, actually, but either way, it was. Uh, that's good. Clearly, if I don't know if you have if you believe in that voodoo with home jerseys, road jerseys, but that just that was something to notice. But yeah, we have to ride or die with those two guys. But Noah, obviously, they have to be the ones. And no matter what matchup, we'll get to what we think against Drake once we move on in this bracket here. But uh, we can either do that or we can we can save our like biggest X factors and stuff towards the end. We'll save that actually. So no, if we both have us beaten Missouri state in a tough matchup between the two and a hard fight, like the thing, as you said, Missouri state wants to slow it down. Heck we're right there with them. We'll gladly do that on defense, even though offense, we want to maybe push a little bit, but that's why it makes no sense. on Missouri state's as slow as they are when they have the athletes to get up and down, but that's how Dana wants to play it. To know if we both have them moving on, to face the Drake Bulldogs, we'll start at the top, though. Bradley against Belmont for both of us. Belmont swept them in the regular season. They're the only team that can say that. Um, like I said, we talked about their offense against Bradley's defense. They can give Bradley fits, especially the man leading the way. Uh, this is this is really tough. No, I, I obviously, I think I'm going to go with Bradley. But Belmont could give them the biggest scare up until Sunday, depending upon who they play, I guess. But Noah Belmont provides Bradley with a lot of mismatches offensively, even for their amazing defense. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna try to give them problems. They did in the regular season, but um, 
them getting swept by Belmont in the regular season and the one at home where Ben Shepard gets away with the travel at the buzzer, I think you don't give Brian Wardle and his staff and team any any motivation, and that's going to be motivation. I think they potentially roll Belmont on Saturday. Yeah, and Belmont has shown glimpses of getting blown out in whatever which way. Uh, we talked about when Drake didn't have Tucker and killed them in Nashville. So, I mean, they have the makings. Clearly, they're not perfect, but they have the makings to to shoot against that defense. But they don't make it. That's a thing why we think we could beat Bradley, and we almost did a couple times this year, even though they did with their offense. But we can't because we make it ugly. And this point, the way Bradley's rolling on this 10-game winning streak, it's not going to matter um, that – I'd be I I'd be surprised if they blew them out, but yeah, the way they're rolling, I wouldn't actually be surprised in the end. But we're hoping, like we said, for great games, hoping that's not the case. That's at two thirty on Saturday, and then no other potential of us facing Drake. It's we played them, we played them three straight or twice, two straight times last year, almost beat them. We talk about you know we don't really get outside of when Loyola killed us when we didn't have our two best players. Even under the last couple of years of Barry, we do not lose blowouts or get beat. From a, you know, just a beginning to end standpoint, we always fight. We always make it interesting. We always have a lead in the game. We talked about last year we had a lead against Drake. And then there were a lot of turnovers that transpired to give them that extra run that they needed to be able to beat us. Um, I was watching something earlier that reminded me that we did not shoot well in that game versus Drake either. So we had moments, uglied it up. But this team this year likes to ugly it up more. Uh, No, I think Drake's going to look for, you know, a revenge party, I guess, or they're on a mission to prove that uh, obviously Bradley beat them. They think probably they're the better team. They're going to probably go mano a mano again, but they're, they're looking for that other title. It's something that Darren's never done. Drake hasn't done in a while. Uh, no, I think in a matchup against us, it's hard to imagine we've done good against Tucker before in, in the two matchups this year, but they're able to just maniacally beat you uh, you know, even our great defense, they're able to beat us back doors, outsmart us and out tough us, I think, a lot of the time. And their offense can beat our great defense at times. I, I think this is where our road ends, unfortunately. I think it's really close. It's obviously I want us to win. I just think in the moment with their fan base with their fans, and hopefully if we went on Friday, get to Saturday, our fan base is just rolling as well. We can ride momentum and I think our guys would be up to it. But no, I think we fall a little short in this game, unfortunately. But this is the ultimate time where I would love to be proved wrong more than any other time. Who do you think moves on? Yeah, I told you earlier and I said it earlier in the podcast, I was on the fence. Um, either get beat on Friday or get to Sunday. And I have us getting to Sunday. I think we get that ultimate third chance to beat Bradley. Um, came up short. We split the season series with Drake. The last one was an embarrass- embarrassing loss. So um, I like our chances in this one. I think our defense can ride. Um, I think they play a really, really tough game um, against Valpo. Um, so I got the dogs getting to Sunday. Um, I like riding the momentum. Our two guys getting going against Missouri State, and they continue that on Saturday. Who do you have cutting on the nets then? Bradley. I just think Bradley's too big of a too big of a train to stop and they're gonna continue rolling. Imagine with their net and winning the regular season and going on winning the uh this. Imagine with they, they could get up probably to a ten seed if if we're you know, if they're not we know they're picked around a twelve now, but if they run the table all the way in the tournament, they could very well get up to a ten in it. So 
Yeah, I would. That would be the matchup we wanted. But I would think, yes, if we beat Drake, I would be really confident going into Sunday. But that's when you would think that, you know, depending upon how bad these games go, hoping they wouldn't blow out of Belmont to where they would be able to eat, like to coast into the next day at one o'clock on CBS, they'd be able to get the best of us. And we have played. If that were to happen, I would think that we like that we would win, even though you know we play them that way. But I would think if we get the Sunday, I would I would think that we win it. If we're riding all of that, teams can wear down. I can just imagine uh, what it's going to be like if we if we cut down the nets. Uh, we talked about what, emotionally how we would be. I I can't even put it into words until it finally happens. That's all I can say. Just know the tears will be shed potentially. But in my in my version, I think Drake gets revenge. For some reason, I've been tied to them for a while. It's like their dominance is over anyone else's from an offensive standpoint, but they bring the defense and they have when Roman, I mean, just Sturtz makes the dirty plays. He got matched in that regard at Bradley. And we know, like I said, Bradley was at home. They're going to have an enormous fan base in this one. So is Drake though. So they just coincide with one another. And those guys are going to want to go out the right way. Those Drake seniors, and Tucker with his talent, I think Drake can get the job done. But I would think it'd be in the closest, one of the most fun Sundays we've ever we've ever seen in person um, in Arch Madness ourselves. So I had Drake cutting on the nets and getting – and Bradley having – being a really top seed in the NIT and then even pulling out hope for any two-bid. It's not going to happen even with, with Bradley's resume. Lose a close game on Sunday if Drake uh, moves on to the, be the automatic qualifier. So you have Bradley. I had Drake. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, now, no, let's talk about. Uh, well, let's talk about since we so we we know most of the teams. We actually just had found that out. Dive into what those teams are that you know. We'll talk about those before we get our final thoughts, X factors, and all of that for the dogs going in. Yeah, actually, I have all of them. I don't know. Want me to start with what was announced yesterday and go through them? Yeah, and- do that. All right. Uh, we'll go team by team and get your quick reactions. Uh, yesterday was all bench team. Jay Sean Henry, um, sixth man of the year, also the captain on the bench team with Sardell Calhoun, Jacoby Gillespie, Chance Moore, and Landon Wolf of Northern Iowa. Um, love, love Jay Sean. We both had that pick. So then on most improved, real quickly. Titan Anderson was the captain of that and most improved player of the year. Ben Cricky, um, questionable one there. He's great, but he was preseason first team. Um, so I don't know how much you improve from preseason first team. Zeke Montgomery of Bradley, Malevi Leon's Bradley, and Darnell Brody of Drake. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Ben Cricky thing. People were tweeting about that. Tony Segetti of Bradley had the great point of how can you be fir- first team preseason, improve so much, and you could very well end up on second. But yeah, if you're picked on the first, you shouldn't win. You shouldn't be on anything most improving. Though Ben Cricky put himself in fabulous position for his post playing career and obviously being the leading scorer this year. So it's not the craziest thing in the world. But yeah, we, we weren't even thinking about him in that in that perspective. But Malavai, we talked about he he's the kind of the same offensive player. But he's definitely improved even for more great than he was on defense. Love seeing Zeke on there because he did. He's transcended that team at that position so far this season, given them what – and even he did it at times last year. But he's doing it at ultimate level that they probably expected Jason Kent to do over his career. Uh, Brody, it's good. I Like I said, I had him almost improved at one point, took him off. Didn't know how he'd be treated in that regard. You had him on there, so that's good stick by you. I do think Brody improved. So hitting – and then Titan by far. He led the league in rebounding. 
he's a score. He can do it all. He's he's literally a machine, and he he's will a be freshman. a machine for more and more years. And according to the website, yeah, or according on – it has it on here on the website that he's listed as a sophomore. Some things have him as a freshman. We don't know the confusion always with that. Bowen Bourne – something when you and I players, because it's been the case with Bowen Bourne almost his whole career. And then, yeah, all bench team makes sense. Jay Sean for sure. We said Chance Moore, he's on there. Landon Wolf, good to see him. We picked him to be on there. Jacoby Gillespie, of course. And then Calhoun, we weren't sure. He's, he's put up a lot of stinkers in games, but a lot of good games, so it makes sense how he'd be on. I don't have any issues. But I guess any of those, and then those, like I said, yeah, those were the ones yesterday, and dive into the ones today. You want me to go awards, or you want me to start? Where do you want me to start? Go with um. Well, like go like I guess we'll start with newcomer. I guess go with whatever you see on there, like whatever team, and then whoever wins a specific one. If it's you can start with teams, go through the first, okay. second, third team. Start with first team. Um, they did it in a preseason. And um, wow, they did it for the final. Tucker DeVries, Player of the Year. Marcus Damask, Ben Cricky, Rink Mass, Roman Penn, Ben Shepard. Um, so Tucker DeVries is your Player of the Year. That was your pick. Um, and I had the voting. You want to see something shocking? Not a single vote for Marcus Damask for Player of the Year. That's ridiculous. Not a and... single vote the voting ended up tucker devries had 18 first place votes 22nd seven third ben shepherd only had nine first place votes 14 second 16 third then rink mass was third 15 first place votes five second 11 third then roman pin 10 first place votes six second only three third he finishes fourth i mean marcus damas not even on there just not the even disrespect. I mean, I'm probably sure. I'm sure he got some votes. He's probably fifth, but come on, man. I mean, I feel like if they look at the grant, and that's the thing, Marcus did have some stinkers this year. And, but pound for pound, if they look for a value, he literally has done more. I mean, I can't even think about Saluki because Saluki teams in the in history with great players has had awesome teams to warrant it. If we go way back. Marcus has had the most on his shoulders for a program than any person we can remember. And I would say any, any, if the voters looked at that, that they can remember. I mean, if a guy leads, if he's 90% of your offense, 99% of your offense and leads you in almost every statistical category, I don't know what else he's got to do. That is disrespectful. I want to say, and seeing, um, I mean, Roman, it, it, it makes sense. So you said Roman, Marcus, Rink, Ben, Tucker, and Cricky, right? Correct. That's good. Six. That's a good six. Then second team, uh, Bowen Bourne. He yeah. he was our pick. I like this. I had him on my third. Jace Carter of UIC, well deserved wow. there. Donovan Clay, that's he does a lot from Missouri State. Malevi Leons, then Voss McCauley. Voss McCauley did win newcomer of the year. So that's that's a good then third team. This was a kind of a head scratcher. Um, we both had him on preseason, I'm sure, but Cam Cam Henry, third team, um, Lance Jones, so Lance makes third, so Jace Jace flipped with him. Rob Perry on third team, which Rob Perry did win. I think he was on he's on newcomer team as well. Um, then Kenny Strawbridge is what he did for Evansville. Then Garrett Sturts on third team. So um, interesting third team, I think. 
with some questionables. I know what Kenny did for them, but really it was Marvin Coleman that kind of led them down the stretch. Then Rob Perry, well-deserved, had him on my second team with Lance, but not really surprised. I mean, Jace is well-deserved, but other than that, I thought Lance should be probably second team, but uh, at least he made the team and didn't get left off. Yeah, and I want to say, if I look back to think who we pretty like, Kobe King got snubbed, Titan Anderson got snubbed. Uh, other than that, they have the right pieces, and even with the six on the one. I am shocked to see Sturts on there, even though he's been – I want to say, I guess statistically, unless I looked at it, he's probably the same player as he was, but I feel like we haven't said his name as much, you know, this season in comparison to last, which seems crazy. So I'm surprised seeing him on there. I mean, Strawbridge, yeah, if he carried the load for Evansville year for the last team – and he put up numbers. It's like kind of we said with the argument of Marcus didn't get any first place votes. Like it's ridiculous. Like I, Kenny was good. I'm actually not against that at all. Him leading the way, then Kobe being the second fiddle on Valpo. Even though you said that, yeah, Marvin Coleman's been almost their best player for a while. And then like seeing Rob Kim Henry, we weren't even thinking about him. He, he's he missed some games as well, and he put up like I guess points, rebounds, assists, like all of that. Um, and obviously he was on a top team. I mean, he was on the fifth team and he's their second best player. So it's like, it's not like the craziest thing. I am surprised because it's not who we predicted or even fathomed in that regard. I do have the teams here uh, myself. Definitely easy with uh, with Voss getting newcomer of the year. But Noah, Duke Dean on all newcomer with Drew Freiberg, Rob Perry, as you said, and then Kate Tyson, two Belmont players. Had a film Cade would be on there, interestingly enough. But Noah seeing Duke Dean, who did have a good year in Freiburg, of those, I guess Duke's a little bit more of a surprise than Drew. We talked about Darius Burford, it seemed like had a better year than Duke Dean. It seemed like Austin Mason, I guess he was even with Duke, but had, was really good. And then I mentioned Trey Anderson. Are you surprised seeing Duke Dean on here? I mean, knowing the Valley, he had a pretty good year stepping in that Terry Roberts role. Um, but the biggest head scratcher to me, let me ask you this. All newcomer team. You have Kenny Strawbridge, a transfer, makes third team, but he can't get on all newcomer team. What what sense does that make? You make third team all conference, you should be on the. I mean, they should have left Kate Tyson the freshman off, but that just it's kind of a head scratcher how you don't make newcomer team, but you can make third team in conference. It's a great point. That's why it honestly feels like this is just always like it's it's always a head scratcher every single year. We mentioned rink being third team last year. Got like, I feel like it, it always happens or you'll see head scratching ones. I mean, we see like Marcus won freshman and newcomer of the year's first year. So you definitely see freshman on here. And I actually like seeing Cade because talked about the reasons why he was on there. But yeah, I agree with that. If he's on there, he should be on all newcomer. It's good seeing Freiburg, I guess, get on there. Voss was just on another level. All freshmen, Noah, we kind of nailed these. I say kind of, but there's one on here that we weren't really sure. We talked about on the on the previous pod on Connor Enright being a redshirt freshman if he qualifies, but we looked. Michael Duax is the same thing. So obviously it counts. We mentioned like if there was any hope for Foster and Scott at the beginning of the year. So it does happen for redshirt freshman, Noah. That makes for almost a perfect all freshman team. Yeah, absolutely. We thought Connor Enright well deserved. We we considered him but not sure if he would get on there. Um, but, yeah, it just shows Duax. We knew he'd be up there. Robbie's was great all year. Um, then we knew the two Belmont guys would definitely be on there. But, yeah, it's it could have been – I mean, Jalen Jackson really closed the season strong. 
Um, Trey Campbell had a really good freshman year. There was a lot of guys that, I mean, even Landon Wolf, who made all bench team, had a really good freshman year. But those top five guys are just a really good freshman class. We we kind of say it every year that man, this ain't just the freshman class just ain't gonna be. But we're usually proved wrong, and we definitely were this year. For sure, yeah, we always do wonder what it's going to be like. Unanimous Tucker last year, we and we knew Robbie was going to come and make a difference. And knew, I mean, Kate had the hype too. So all these guys lived up to it. Like it, it was honestly a special friend. This freshman class will go down in history. I think this one by the end of their careers will have awesome careers, and we'll be looking back saying this was one of the best ever. Uh, Noah, all defensive. This one's crazy because. Uh, well, actually, on mine, Noah, I think you said it to me initially that there's six people on the all defensive team. Uh, I, I think whenever you mentioned it before, I don't know if you if you said that at all, but I see six on this PDF, which is crazy. And the first one on here is Donovan Clay. I want to say that's one that you maybe said that you maybe had been left off. Uh, seeing him on there is crazy. So, like I said, six. Julian Larry make uh, which he had awesome moments this year. Julian was one of those players, like I said that. You heard for the stretch when he was player of the week before we played them at their place, gave him their first conference loss. And I, I want to say I just didn't even hear about him much the rest of the year. I guess I just wasn't paying attention more enough. But, you see, yeah, Malibai, uh getting the DPOY. No, say the other three. Like I said, if you expected to see six now and then mention the other three, uh, one of them we kind of knew – or two of them we knew was going to be on here. I guess one of them and Ben Shepard – is kind of surprising. We know he's elite. He won it, I think, in the OBC last year. But Noah, two other ones are definitely one other one that's surprising. It's awesome, awesome to see. Yeah, we knew his potential. We were kind of back and forth which one of our guys would make it. Um, but with this six six guys on one team, I mean, I just have a feeling that sooner or later in the Valley, we're going to go to a lot of the other conference have 10 guys on the first team, five second team members and five third team members, but they've started the six on all defensive team, but well-deserved by our two guys here, Xavier Johnson and Lance Jones, big time, big time. We've heard the praises all year. A lot of X, Xavier Johnson, um, a lot of praise from him. Brian Wardle even mentioned him. Um, I'm sure Brian Wardle's not happy that, um, Connor Hickman is not on here, but they might as well add him. We're just going to continue adding guys yet, but well-deserved by our two guys. And, yeah, I think Ben Shepard, just because of who who his name is, um, probably helped him, even though he's a really good defender. Yeah, and I think a big snub off this list is Jace Carter. He had 50 steals on the year. In two less games, like I said, if they were counting that against some people – uh, I think Jace was a snub. Even I've seen like Nick Edwards and Jacoby Gillespie had more steals than X did this year. But as you said, and as we've said before, yeah, coaches are giving praise to X and his perimeter defense is next level. And we know X has done a he's had so many clutch deals, so many great moments for us that it's awesome seeing him get this honor because we were only sure Marcus and Lance were going to be the only two guys to get honors for us. And we even said Bagor, like we have three newcomers. Uh, I guess Jawan in our sense, even though he's he knows the league, but definitely Clarence and X if they would have ever had potential to be like uh, on newcomer, even though it's deep every single year. So we didn't, and we knew our guys were going to be on that. So it's awesome to see um, X especially get that honor. Cause he's played like it all year. Cause everyone knows and he got voted in by everybody. So everybody else knows what he's like. And then Noah finish it off with who won coach of the year. We had a feeling who it was going to be and it's the case, but do you have coach voting by any chance? 
There is no Coach of the Year voting, but it did go to Brian Wardle, which there's no surprise there. So, um, interesting there. I mean, I think it wouldn't have been too close, but um, glad uh, we both had that. We both had that pick, but probably close behind him. My second uh, would have probably been Casey Alexander, first year in the league, finishes top four. Um, behind him, I'd say. Darren DeVries, then Brian four. I'd put shirts five, just too much of an up and down season and then to close out the season right away to be um, in the top four in voting, in my opinion. Yeah, I honestly think that's pretty accurate. Uh, Casey, for sure, up there would have been top three regardless. And uh, Darren, yeah, clearly finishes at the top three. I agree with that. Yeah, so everyone on Sunday and Wardle's had beginning to end a great team. So it, definitely deserving with winning that regular season. Title. So now, no, let's finish this off with some things to look forward to uh, in our regard here and some of the picks of who to whatever. But first, uh, I just remember, like, in terms of this bracket, picking dark horses, I think Mid Major Madness, you told me, had, had us as the only dark horse, and they had long shots of what you say, Belmont, Indiana State, Missouri State, but they had us as the only dark horse. It's interesting. We're looking forward to seeing and ranking at the end of it uh, all these teams, uh, the hype videos that they show. Throughout, we always look forward to other teams. We've seen a couple of them this year. Looking forward to seeing more of it uh, this year. Looking forward to seeing that. And then, and then, like I said, Noah, some things here. I mentioned how shooting in this tournament, I wanted to go back and if I could find a stat to see what, um, like what teams, at least in the last five or so years, what they've shot from three. I'm sure it's been fine. I don't want to like say it's, oh, it's always been an issue and it's blah, blah, blah. Teams obviously shoot well, but I mentioned how it can be a big, uh, points in the paint kind of tournaments. And I think that's what it could be for us. Cause like, I remember saying like, it was the Indiana state game. We were fourth in the country in two point percentage is what we do best, but we had been shooting the three ball. Well, so hopefully, you know, we can get our points in the paint if they're there and make, and make open shots. Um, no, overall, like, you know, obviously we both know our team so well, positives and negatives going into the tournament itself, obviously like what we do well, what, we could get exposed in this tournament, no matter the matchup, what things we have to do right in. And then mention uh, your, maybe your tournament bold prediction. If you have that, either that's overall or for us, I guess I'll hand it to you with all these questions and then I'll give my own at the end. And then, you know, give me your dog of the weekend and potential X factor for us. So I let that a lot on you, but give me all that. If you, if you would. Yeah, I think, um, just we've been preaching it a lot this year. One thing for us is playing excellent defensive possessions, but not finishing it off with defensive rebounds. So obviously allowing offensive rebounds and turning turnovers are the two things we really talked about this year. Um, hopefully we can sure that up. Um, that's what we did. Then doing well, um, you got to, it's executing. You got to be able to finish strong. And I think uh, one of the X factors here for us is seeing Lance and Marcus, those guys get to the free throw line, seeing them get some shots to go in because um, just knowing as a, as a basketball player, seeing the ball go in is just gives you so much more confidence. So I think that's going to be big key. See if we can get some free throws. We haven't really seen it from Marcus this year. I mean, like I said the other night, the other the other night on the uh, recap part of UIC, guy shot twenty three times and 
19 of those were inside the arc and couldn't get more than one free throw, and that was off an and one. So just crazy that. But I like to see those two guys get downhill, get to the line. We know Marcus will get downhill, but will Lance play downhill to open everything up for him? So I think that is key for us. I, I'd like to see those guys um, combine for double-digit free throw attempts in every game that we play. Yeah, the positives for us going in, I think, is the fact that we're good in the paint, is the fact that we're playing well at the end of the season, no matter how the UIC game went. It seems like we're making a lot more threes. It seemed like, and that was the thing, is we don't, we need to rebound in this tournament. We need to limit our turnovers. If we do that, we'll beat anybody. And then if we make open shots, that's been the name of the game. We've been shooting terribly this year. We said better lately. You need to make those open shots, and that's going to segue into my dog of the weekend, X-Factor Noah, is Jawan Newton. You can pick anybody on the team. It appears that it needs to be everybody. It needs to be a group effort in this thing with the season on the line. You think we all could play at our best, but that also means you're going to get everyone else's best. So, you know, it's going to be matched in that regard. And Jawan has been getting so many great looks, definitely from three. Like I said, he was one and five against UIC. We were great as a team overall. Or even sorry, that was you and I in the last game too. He made one, but it was his only points. Like if those are gonna be his only points, one, it can't be. He needs to get to the free throw line and get in the paint, but he needs to make open threes when they're there. And I think he's gonna have a lot of opportunities. Like I said, you can go with anybody. I'll go with Jawan because pound for pound, he is our third best score, and we're gonna have to see it in this tournament. He's my dog of the weekend, I want to say. And then tourney bolt predictions. No, we talked about if you could probably foresee just a chalk tournament. If there's going to be any upsets of what magnitude do you think, who you think could go on a run, we kind of maybe established it already of the team that you think, maybe even non Thursday that you actually think has a chance of going on a run, any bold predictions. And then, like I said, finish out again with your dog of the weekend and then we'll close this thing out. Yeah, I think uh, mid major madness has a correct. The only dark horse really, it's probably us. Not nobody's people's thinking me. We may get past Missouri state, um, but nobody else is picking us either way. They think we are obviously probably have the hardest um, route to the championship, either maybe Indiana state, you could say, um, but just definitely difficult. Um, but my dog for the weekend, I think it's gotta be, I'm gonna go Trent Brown. That's he's scored. He's averaging nine and a half points a game in his last two games. If he can continue strong, get open, good opportunities, um, I think that just opens up the floor for everybody else. So, and that starts with Lance getting downhill to get him open shots because people are going to stick to him and not give him quality looks. But I think that is my dog for the weekend for him to continue to roll. Um, so I'm going to go with Trent Brown. I know a lot of people um, say a lot of things about him, but. I think he's your X factor. If he can get, if he starts hitting, if he hits a couple in a, in the first half, that just opened things up for Marcus. You can't double off Trent. That's open space. And that's more downhill for X and Lance as well. Yeah. And it, just the fact that they were drawing up plays for Trent. You love to see that that didn't happen for a stretch there and in his rough stretch. So confidence is key this time of year. And obviously it can play for everybody. I mean, he's got to be good. I a hundred percent agree with yours. I mentioned Jawan. I mean, X has the key. We we talked about we don't pick X because we just assume he's going to do the right things, and and most of the time that's been the case. And 
you know, Clarence, he's going to start. He's going to, especially against Mogbo, potentially, he's going to have to match his athleticism of any kind and not just barely lay it up. He's got to go in strong against him. He's got to be with don't turn it over. Dalton, been playing so well. Floorburn you in the last game. He's got to, we talked about his struggles last year. He had the yips a little bit, and it cost us possessions, cost us that Drake game. He's got to be great off the bench with Missouri State's potential depth. Troy's got to come in, guard Donovan Clay, guard Ridgenal, guard all those guys, and be as tough. Be, make open shots if Troy gets them, um, and then just defend his heart out. JD coming in, match uh, Mogbo's um, uh, whatever. I was going to say athleticism, but match his uh, energy and stuff, and whoever else comes off their bench behind him. NJ Benson, of course. Maybe if Scotty comes in, maybe if Foster comes in. Those are the only groups of guys we're going to see. And we talked about limiting the bench this year or down the stretch of this year. Very well could see it. Might not see – hopefully we see Foster, both of them. They both can impact this with the season on the line. You're going to need to trust a lot of people. But if you want to trim it, I guess you would understand. That just exceeds more of what the main guys have to do. So like, we will come to you guys with a – Try to we'll bring the equipment and try to come a with a with an episode of a recap episode win or loss after the fact late Friday night. Hopefully, hopefully it's it's of the good it's of the good kind, not the bad kind. It's all a wait and see. Hopefully, we'll be in the mood. We we know we'll be frustrated if it doesn't happen. Uh, but overall, I mean, we just have to bring your A game. Everyone else is going to like I said, seasons on the line. You need to need to bring everything you got. Because, again, this could be the very end of, a, of Salukis that have made everlasting impacts on the program. We'll get to that point at the time. But, Noah, give me your final thoughts on the weekend. You had us getting the Sunday. Let's hope you are right. Final thoughts going into this fun weekend we're about to have. Yeah, very excited uh, starting tomorrow. Uh, get to watch four games. Like I said, we've been talking, saying it endlessly, seven games we get to sit back and watch. And before we have to worry about ours, um, the only way to put more stress on our games is if madness actually happens. Because usually when madness happens, it, we don't come through and take advantage of it. So um going to be exciting. Can't wait till the end. I hope I am right. Um, just really quickly here, I was going to run through the, uh, the conference tournament odds by FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, Drake is the favorite at plus 165, followed by Bradley at plus 190, Indiana State at plus 700. Uh, the Salukis are also plus 700, then Belmont plus 850. Then if anybody wants to throw some long shots, uh, Missouri State plus 2,000, Murray State plus 5,500, Valpo at plus 18,000. I might throw a little money on that somehow. And anybody wants to bet on UIC or Evansville, they're at plus 25,000. Good odds there. I actually heard some of that earlier about it. And Indiana State does have crazy odds, and but we're right there, right behind the top two. So people want to get their get decent money for those picks, go for it. Uh, if you're willing, if you can bet, we know when you get in Missouri, you can't. So we have to get those bets off if you're going to be in attendance. Some quick things here. Um, obviously, they mentioned Ballpark Village, there's a fan shuttle apparently. But at 5 o'clock at Ballpark Village's SIU Alumni Association pregame and obviously the team send-off at 6.30 on Friday. Uh, so people want to show out to that. So Ballpark Village, which we'll be staying, I don't know if we've said this on here, we'll be staying actually where Illinois State is at Live by Lowe's. Looking forward to staying. That's right connected to Ballpark Village. So we'll be right next to all of the entertainment in between. 
all of that. We'll be sure to hit all the good spots. Looking for, I think it's going to rain, so we'll see how it all plays out. You're right on the odds there. Uh, so it is it is interesting. Everybody needs to bring their A game. We were surprised with with the uh, with the seating chart and how big it is. How about let's fill that? Let's fill it on Thursday. Just being there, people can be there, and let's obviously do it all day Friday and leading up to the game. Excited to experience it all with other fans and the great entertainment they put on there. Uh, year by year, it's always amazing. And like I said, we're staying in a nice place. It should make for one of the best weekends of the year. We know it always is. So we'll come to you guys, hopefully after win or loss on Friday night, hopefully the rest of the tournament. But other than that, we'll talk to you guys next Monday on a full recap of the tournament with things propelled towards the offseason. But we want to focus on the now, looking so forward to we're leaving early, looking forward to getting there for the noon game. And like you said, yes, enjoying seven games of basketball in heaven. That is Arch Madness. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. Hoping the dogs can bring it home. We'll talk to you guys soon. Go dogs.